This is episode 43 of The Wrap, a weekly show getting you up to speed on movie news and the fun things from the past week. Today is Friday, August 15th, 2013, and I am your host, TJ. As always, we'll start off with our box office report from Monday, which I titled uh, this article, Rich Strippers, Drugs, Crop Dusters, Box Office Report. Uh, and uh, the reason, of course, is because of Elysium and because of the Millers, uh, Rich uh, being from Elysium, Strippers being from the Millers, etc. Number one at the box office this past weekend was Elysium. Uh, it had a budget of $115 million. Uh, it made a total of $30.4 million over the weekend and $10.9 million foreign. So the worldwide total is 41.3. On a budget of 115, that's not great. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was not a good film. I saw the film, and uh, it was not a good film by any stretch of the imagination. It had so many problems. It was very preachy in terms of its uh, worldview, um, which is contrary to mine, but I don't necessarily always let that bother me. But it bothers me in that it stands on such a soapbox and gets up and shakes it, you know, their, its finger right in your face about things. And, uh, yeah, it just was, it was too much for me. I don't like it when Christian films do it, and I don't like it when uh, th- these liberal films do it either. And, yes, I, you know, for those of my listeners who may not be i am a conservative i try not to let that stand between us uh but um anyway i'm i'm digressing uh, there was a multitude of other problems with the film not the least of which is uh just the um the video game nature i mean like there was power ups in the film like the you know the super suit that gives them superpowers and you got to get up to elysium to get the uh, super healing magic box and at the end he pushes the win button to win the fi- i mean it just Oh, it was just so bad. You know, Jodie Foster, oh, she was terrible. Uh, she was very much a caricature of of of, uh, of some character or other. Uh, not not good acting, not good directing, not good writing. It was very bad writing. I cannot, rec- cannot recommend this film. It was a very bad film. Uh, and I only gave it two out of five stars and felt like I should give it maybe even lower. But that was what I gave it uh, was two out of five stars when I talked about it with um, – uh, Fizz this week on the Movie Byte podcast, so you want to check that out as well. That's moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 56, uh, where I talked with Fizz about that film, among other things. Number two at the box office was The Millers, uh, and this is just saddening to me. It was made on a budget of $37 million. It brought in $38 million worldwide. That was the first weekend, even though it's number two uh, domestically. Um, you know, that's certainly on that budget, um, they're going to break even, they've already broken even in terms of the production budget and they'll probably bring in a lot more. And the film looks absolutely terrible. Uh, just not interested at all. Number three was planes on a budget of 50 million. It brought in 22.5 million over the weekend. Uh, and this film doesn't look very good to me. Uh, so don't know why anybody would want to see it. And apparently not too many people did. Uh, number four was Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. It opened up to $33.2 million worldwide uh, and on a budget of $90 million, so it's not faring great either. I did have a chance finally to see uh, the first Percy Jackson film, and I liked it well enough, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters this weekend. Number five, Two Guns on a budget of $61 million. It's now up to $48.5 million worldwide, so not looking good for this film either. Number six, The Smurfs 2, on a budget of $80.2 million. It's up to $156.6 million worldwide. Not sure why I care or why anyone cares about this film, but there you go. It's doing well. 
Uh, and number seven is the Wolverine. It's brought in $306.6 million worldwide on a budget of $120 million. I have to think that they're pleased enough with that, especially given that the previous Wolverine film uh, did not leave a good taste in everyone's mouth. Uh, so number eight, our final film here, is The Conjuring. And uh, it's up to $167.9 million worldwide on a budget of $20 million. Wow, it's crazy. And it doesn't look like a great film to me. Although I've heard from people that I trust and like and, and uh, usually agree with that uh, it's a film that I should give a chance. So I don't know. It just doesn't look interesting to me. And there are other films that I want to see and talk about on Movie Bite. So I'm going to leave it to others for now. Um. So on Monday, the question has to be asked, is the 3D fad over? According to Grady Smith on Entertainment Weekly, upcharge tickets made up a full 71% of Avatar's 2009 opening weekend gross of $77 million, and Alice in Wonderland 70%, Tron Legacy 82%, and The Final Destination 70% also got major bo- boosts. Animated family movies have never done well in the format, but even Toy Story 3 managed 60% in 2010. This summer, a different tale has unfolded during the 30-day span from June 21 to July 21. 3D business hit a new low three separate times that's since 2009 when this new golden age began. Only 31% of Monsters University's June 21 opening weekend gross came from 3D ticket sales. Two weeks later, Despicable Me 2 dipped even lower, earning 27%. Turo raced away with the worst 3D share at 25%. Uh, and just some other figures here. World War Z was 34%. The Great Gatsby was 33%. RIPD, 33%. So 3D is not doing great, and I'm jumping up and down for joy. I can't stand the format, and I couldn't be happier to hear that... Uh, 3D is on the way out. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, I've, I've seen a couple of films in 3D, like four or five films in 3D, and each time it gives me a headache. It doesn't add to the storytelling, and you all know my opinion on that. I've, I've mentioned it many times on this podcast, I'm, I, I believe, and I know I've mentioned it on the Movie Bite podcast. So, uh, yeah, as, as Mike Fizzle says in the uh, comments on this article, I wish TJ wasn't so cryptic with his feelings on 3D. Can we get a straight answer for how he feels? Uh, yeah, I have a really hard time with expressing myself sometimes, apparently. <laughs> Corey, speaking of Elysium, Corey released his review. I meant to do this before, but I didn't. I've had my tabs out of order here. Uh, Corey released his review of Elysium on Monday, uh, and he wasn't too favorable to the film either, although he rated it more highly than I did. He gives it three of five stars. But his review is worth reading. You should check that out. That will be in the show notes. Um the next trick for Now You See Me is a sequel. It's weird. I wasn't aware that it was doing well enough for a sequel, but it has grossed a little over $275 million worldwide now. And uh, I still don't think a sequel seems warranted, but if you like Now You See Me, you can look forward to the sequel. Frankly, I don't know what in the world kind of a story they think they're going to tell, but there you go. Who knows what they're going to do with a sequel, but that's that's coming up. Was Christian Bale offered $50 million to reprise Batman? Um, that's according to Latina Review. It is possible that Christian Bale is still not done donning the cape and cowl. Um, the, according to the new a, a new ebook, this is kind of strange, but again, this is uh, you can read it the link uh, over on Latina Review. According to the new ebook, Beyond Batman: The Unauthorized True Story of Christian Bale and His Dark Knight Dilemma, this may be the case. The book cites sources close to the legendary pictures that asserts Bale not, may have no choice but to don the cowl at least one more time. I don't believe a word of this, and I um, I have mixed feelings about the whole thing because I don't want a new re- Batman reboot, but um, 
I didn't like Man of Steel, and I don't want to drag the Dark Knight trilogy through the mud of the Man of Steel franchise series, and I don't. And so maybe it'd be better to reboot and not muddy the. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I just wish Man of Steel had been better, and then I would know my opinion for sure would be we'll just keep Christian Bale. Uh, but given that all this is going on, I'm not, I'm not too happy with the DC universe right now. There is a rumor that Ian McDermott is to reprise his role as Palpatine in Episode 7. This according to JoeBlow.com, who is quoting a source from Jedi News, citing a source from Jedi News, claiming that a source has told them that Ian McDermott will be back as Emperor Palpatine in the new film. The specifics of the role are unclear, but it seems likely that McDermott will be returning to his signature role of Palpatine, whether as the original or a clone of We Have Yet to Discern. Um, so in my opinion, and, and as I put on the site, not so humble opinion, this, this is one of the worst decisions they could make to bring Palpatine back in any, in any large way. Now, if they, what, what I did say is if they wanted to bring him back, maybe, maybe like there's something at the beginning of the film that's taking place before Return of the Jedi that sets up events or things in motion that must be dealt with in the rest of the film, and therefore we need to see Palpatine in that sort of a thing, almost like a flashback or a pre-setting up of something I'd be okay with that. Maybe, maybe we can see Palpatine as a Force ghost, although that would be weird. Like, can can the Sith do that like the Jedi can? I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. For the most part, I really just want this to be a new story. We've Palpatine is dead. Move on. I don't want to nullify the end of Jedi. That's my biggest fear. I I don't know. And there's been, already been so much ruined about the Star Wars universe that, it, it, you know, as long as you're going to stick with canon, it would be hard to, to get away from anyway. So why muddy it up even more with something like this? So, But that's the rumor. Ian McDermott will be back. And I do like his portrayal of Palpatine, of course. I like him as Palpatine, uh, but I don't really want him to come back. Speaking of Star Wars, Natalie Portman uh, who uh, did play a part in the prequels, uh, but Natalie Portman's phrasing could have a possible Thor spoiler. Um, and this is, of course, reading, I think, probably too much into what's going on here, but um, the actress who returns as Jane Foster uh, in the upcoming Marvel sequel Thor The Dark World gave a strong hint about the series' future. Asked about co-star Anthony Hopkins' comments that he wants Thor to continue, Portman told E! Online, yeah, well, I think they are going to make a Thor 3, so I think Anthony will be pleased. The key word being there where she says, yeah, well, I think they are going to make Thor 3. And so people are reading into this thinking, well, that means she's not going to be in Thor. Therefore, she probably dies or some such thing makes her unavailable to be in the Thor world in the future. I think that's probably reading too much into her phrasing. She probably, maybe she was referring to the producers or the makers of the film. They are going to make another film that we will be in. She didn't say that, but who knows? I mean, I think that's reading too much into it, but that's that's kind of the idea behind this rumor is that uh, she's confirming in a roundabout way that um, Jane Foster will get killed or otherwise fall into some sort of peril that will prevent her from continuing in the universe. That's that rumor. Stephanie Meyer says critics pushed uh, not pushed, punished the host because of Twilight. This is according to Brian Alexander over at USA Today. Stephanie Meyer believes her step into the sci-fi world in the host was crushed by critics eager to stomp on the film after Twilight. The hoax took in the hoax. The host took in a disappointing 26 million total after opening in March and scored a 35 out of 100 from combined critic scores on Metacritic.com. You know, while this may be true, this is not the reason the film did poorly. There are so many times, so many times, 
when critics pan a film and yet it does well and it has commercial success. Um, so that's not the reason why the film did not do well. In fact, it's a little bit of a mystery to me because I thought the film was pretty decent. Uh, and yet, um, it didn't do well at the box office. And, and it's weird. Like, like it's hard to blame it. Like she's blaming it on the Twilight series because of the kind of hatred built up against the Twilight series. And yet, I don't think you can blame it on that because the Twilight series has been nothing but a commercial success. So why would that then prejudice people? Like if the if the Twilight series is a commercial success, why wouldn't the host be? I mean, I know there are very vocal critics against Twilight, but um, why would like if, if one is successful, why would the other suffer? I, I don't understand that line of reasoning, but that's what Meyer thinks. I personally, I, I'm willing freely admit here that I don't understand why the host didn't do well, but it's not because of what she's saying. I can guarantee you that. Star Trek fans hate Star Trek Into Darkness. This is according to um, The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness was met with boos when it was mentioned, and one guy took the mic to say these reboots shouldn't even be considered for a list of Star Trek movies. Into Darkness was met with hardcore fan apathy when released in May, although both fans and mainstream audiences seem to enjoy it. But that it's unpopular to the point of booing or being named the least popular movie in the series, for that matter, may be something Paramount and executive producers, writers Robert Orsi and Alex Kurtzman might want to take into account before planning the third movie in the rebooted series. And I, to that, I say, what the heck? What is the deal? Like, like this is far from the worst Star Trek movie. Some of the original Star Trek, the motion picture, terrible film. Star Trek V, uh, the final frontier, terrible film. Um, this, this film actually is closer to the top for me. So I don't understand what's going on. And I consider myself a fairly hardcore Star Trek fan. So I don't understand what's going on here. I really don't get it. But some fans are hard to please. I really did spark a comment war, too, um, in the comment section, both on Movie Byte and on, on the posting of this link on Facebook. So lots of comments there, lots of things to read about this. So check out the link in the show notes if you would like. Mark Wahlberg would like to play Iron Man. Uh, this is according to Jermaine Lucier over at Slash Film. He's uh, quoting Mark Wahlberg and he has an interview, a, a video of which I also posted on moviebyte.com. It'll be in the show notes. And to that, I say no, 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 just no. We d- I don't want Mark Wahlberg as Iron Man. When Robert Downey Jr. is done, let's leave Iron Man alone for a while. Neil Blomkamp says Chappie, his upcoming film, will be a hilarious mix of RoboCop and E.T. Um, but you know what? His uh, film District 9, which I finally saw, was was decent enough. I enjoyed it on some level. Um, uh, Elysium, I did not like at all. And it's effectively ruined my uh, interest in any of his films. And uh, I want no part of any more of his films. That's how poor- badly I feel about Elysium. Uh, but anyway, that's news for you if you're interested in that. Uh, that went up on the site today. And before I sign off, let's talk about what you might want to see in the theaters this weekend. Coming up uh, in the theaters, we have uh, two new films that I've listed. There are other new films, but these are the two I considered worth mentioning, and those are Jobs, rated PG-13, and Kick-Ass 2, rated R. Jobs, I'm definitely interested in seeing, and I will be seeing, hopefully, if I can squeeze it in. have a lot to do this weekend, uh, going to a wedding and whatnot, but hopefully I can squeeze that in before the next episode of the Movie Bite podcast. I uh, would like to talk about it with Joe. 
uh, who, by the way, will actually be on the Movie Byte podcast this week filling in for Chad because Chad will be unavailable. Um, so I'm very interested in Jobs, and we'll hopefully see it. Um, it, it, it. I can't help but think that I'll probably be disappointed by it just because I'm such a hardcore Apple fan, and I do know a lot about the history and goings-on of Apple, and I doubt if they'll get it all right. But I do hope that there are some redeeming qualities about it. We'll, we'll have to see. Kick-Ass 2 looks absolutely terrible. I do not recommend it. It is rated R for strong, violence, pervasive language, crude and sexual content, and nudity. Uh, and uh, according to the trailers, there's been some Red Band trailers out as well, of course, that you can see what you're getting into. Lots of, lots of language. Um, and and I'm, just, I'm just not interested. I, I, I see nothing about this film that looks interesting to me at all. Still in theaters are Elysium, uh, We're the Millers, Planes, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, Two Guns, The Smurfs 2, The Wolverine, uh, Despicable Me 2, Turbo and Red 2. For more on what I think about these films and whether or not you should see them, be sure to check out my article linked up in the show notes uh, on what to see this weekend. Well, that's all I've got for you this week. Um, if you would like to view the show notes online, you can find those at moviebyte.com slash the wrap slash 43. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, TJ Draper Pro over there. You can also follow MovieByte on Twitter to stay up to date. At uh, We're at MovieByte. You can like MovieByte on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieByte. And, of course, you want to be sure to visit the website every day. I keep you up to date every day at MovieByte.com. That's it. That's all I've got for you. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.